landed at Liverpool, the blackout, and that was quite a surprise. It must have been very dangerous for anybody, taxi drivers and people like that. I went to a, a big hotel in Bournemouth. It was the most beautiful part of England. And even though when you looked up, you saw lots and lots of planes in the sky, there'd be flights of Spitfires roaring out over the channel. Somehow or other, the beauty of England was such that you almost forgot there was a war on. It was so beautiful.
world I mean that gives me strength to hold off chaos at arm's length. My Eden landscapes and their climes are constructs from Edwardian times, when bathrooms took up lots of space and before eating, one said grace. The automobile, the aeroplane, are useful gadgets, but profane. The engineering of which I dream is moved by water or by steam. Reason requires that I approve the lamp bulb, which I cannot love. To me, more reverence commanding a fishtail burner on the landing. My family ghosts I fought and routed. Their values, though, I never doubted. I thought their Protestant work ethic both practical and sympathetic. When couples played or sang duets, it was immoral to have debts. I shall continue till I die to pay in cash for what I buy. The Book of Common Prayer we knew was that of 1662. Though with its sermons may be well, liturgical reforms are hell. Sex was, of course, it always is, the most enticing of mysteries. But new stamps did not yet supply Manichaean pornography. Then speech was mannerly, an art like learning not to belch or fart. I cannot settle which is worse, the anti-novel or free verse. Nor are those PhDs my kith who dig the symbol and the myth. I count myself a man of letters who writes or hopes to for his betters. Dare any call permissiveness an educational success? Sane are those classrooms which I sat in compelled to study Greek or Latin. Though I suspect the term is crap, if there is a generation gap, who is to blame? Those old or young who will not learn their mother tongue. But love at least is not a state, either on vogue or out of date. And I have true friends I will allow to talk and eat with here and now. Me, alienated, bosh. It's just as a sworn citizen who must skirmish with it that I feel most at home with what is real.
1939, of course, the war broke out. We had a land army girl who came helping. And then finally we had German prisoners helping on the farm. They were stationed at Camp 165, was it? At Walton. And first of all, they came, they were picked up daily and taken to the farms by by lorry, and then they had a, their lunch box with them, and uh, we were supposed on the farm to give them a hot drink. My aunt and uncle were in the farmhouse. It was a bigger house. My dad and mum were selling the wee housey beside the road. Anyway, a hot drink was made for them. We all said, this is kind of ridiculous that they're getting a hot drink outside. Albeit it was up in the loft above the servant's house, which had heat underneath, but it didn't matter. We said, this is ridiculous. They're humans like ourselves, albeit that they were in the war, they were enemies and they were taken into the farmhouse and seated at the kitchen table with the rest of us. And that's what was done. And then finally, Carl Gebhard came to stay. And we got to know him so well. And um, he came to stay at, at Lurie and he was a year at Lurie with us. Grandfather, they called him the Sears, the Sutherlands. Davy Sear, he was known as. Gaelic for, that's not the correct pronunciation, but it's kind of like it anyway. Force Latheran, where he was he was brought up, born and brought up at Force, just beside the sea. And he could swim before he could walk, because in the warm summer evenings, used to, when I was young too, we used to have. When the tide went out, see the house was just beside the sea. When the tide went out, the wee pools between the rocks would be warm and the bairns would go into that. And that's how we learned to swim so when you're so young. They always told me that your grandfather could swim before he was walking. Amazing. I did baking in the WRI and won prizes and that sort of thing too for baking sometimes. But all I bake now is scones and pancakes. I still make beer scones. We grew beer on the farm at Lurie. Grew a lot of beer. It was harvested and then my dad would say, now Catherine, we're going off with this uh, beer to um, up the riverside. Magnus Houston's mill and we used to go in with the grain to the mill and that was a great event just running oh, only six miles out of the town. I still make beer scones. I haven't got one today but I still make beer scones. 
Everything, as I recall, sort of circled around the harbour. Around the harbour and around, you know, the shoreline, really. As kids, what we did, we all knocked about together, you know, all the kids. And there used to be like seasons and what you would, what you would do things. You had, you'd heard of Levo, haven't you? Levo is a game that kids used to play many years ago, because let's face it, television was fairly new. Everybody says, oh, we had to make our own fun in those days. And that's exactly what we did. But we would spend more time at the harbour or around the shoreline. And we would go down and we'd be skimming stones in the water, we'd be fishing at the harbour, or we'd go and we would pick walks on the shore. But what we would do as kids, because somebody obviously had a box of matches, you know, and we'd pick walks and we'd get an old tin and we'd start the fire and we'd put the wilts in the tin where we saw water and we would cook the wilts there on the beach and as kids then we would sit we'd eat the wilts you know or we'd eat the limpets of the, of the rocks and things like that I don't think kids would do that nowadays but it was it was just common practice for us And of course he had, I suppose we called it the old caravan factory where they used to make caravans. And who lived there but Teddy Banjo? Teddy Banjo, I suppose you would call him a tramp. He was a hermit and he lived in the old building in Shalgo. For all the world, he would remind you of Grizzly Adams, right? And I always remember, he was a big man. And he used to wear this big fur coat and a big beard and long hair. And they called him Teddy Banjo because he'd made up a banjo, a biscuit tin. And he would play this on the street for money. He used to go in Langley Rose's shop and get his tobacco. And if you happened to be in when Teddy Banjo came in, you couldn't get it quick enough, you know, because we were all scared of Teddy Banjo. There was Chuxi. Now Chuxi was a fisherman, right? And he was a little man, he was very round, and he was great with kids. He just seemed to love kids. And he always carried loads of bars of chocolate in his pocket. And if you met Chuxi, he always got a bar of chocolate. It was brilliant, you know, oh, oh Chuxi. Every kid knew Chuxi, and every kid he met got a bar of chocolate. It was great, you know. Because there was lots of characters in the tune. It was hilarious, I'm quite honest with you.
There's a river in Scotland called the Rye. And there's a charming little ballad that perpetuates the memory of that river. Marian Anderson sings now the romantic Coming Through the Rye.
Glad to have you, madam. Thank you. Mr. Smith, you see it? Part of the car, you. Oh. Oh. 